You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where every episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. So we talking about U2 War on the line. I have Rob. Hey yo, Ben. Hello, and Kyle. Oh hi there. War is the third studio album by the Irish rock band U2 and was re- released on the 28th of February 1983 on Island Records. It was produced by Steve Lillywhite, and the genre is rock and post-punk. I'm going to read from All Music Review. Stephen Thomas Irvine. Opening with the ominous, fiery protest of Sunday, Bloody Sunday, War immediately announces itself as U2's most focused and hardest rocking album to date, blowing away the fuzzy, sonic indulgence of October with propulsive martial rhythms and shards of guitar, War bristles with anger, despair, and above all, passion. Previously, Bono's attempts at messages came across as grandstanding, but his vision becomes remarkably clear on this record as the anthems are balanced by effective, surprising, emotional love songs, which are just as desperate and pleading as his protests. He performs the difficult task of making the universal sound personal, and the band helps him out by bringing the songs crashing home with muscular, forceful performances that reveal their varied expressive textures upon repeated listening. You uh, two always aimed at greatness, but war was the first time they achieved it. All right. What do we think of war by you two? It's the beginning of you two stone cold classic. Yeah. Mm. This is, I forgot how much I like this album. This is a really good. Yep. Album. It's so you good. forgot how much you like the first three tracks. Oh, come on. Uh, I don't know oh, guys, about that. The, 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 this album is... I do like the first three tracks. A giant, hey, here we go, into... What? What? You don't like there's The no, Refugee? No... Two Hearts Beat Us no. One? No. What? For, 40? Come on, 40, bro. 40, I just have. I just can't. Right next hmm. to it. This, this album is so front-loaded, and it's a fucking letdown from, from there on in. Oh, to really? My... I'll agree with that, even though I do like that album. It does have, like, the first side is, can't get away from it. It's so good, and it does seem to taper off a bit. I think it it closes pretty strongly. It does close strong. I'd say the last, like, four or five tracks are great. Really? Okay. I like the Edge's pitch harmonics on Red Light. (laughs) There was Cheap Trick Surrender. Oh, yeah, I, I wrote not the best song called Surrender. 
But no, please. Uh, I, I would I would love to hear uh, people who are really into this record and maybe try to convince me a little bit more. Rocker. Uh, to be honest, like I was really uh, into you two uh, in middle school and high school, and then like just stopped after that because I didn't like that beautiful day song, and I didn't care oh, about yeah. how to dismantle an atomic bomb or any of that stuff. I've got a soft spot for you two. I think I think War is an incredible album. The live record they did right after this, uh, under a blood red sky, mm-hmm. fantastic. Yep. Is that uh, the one with uh, uh, recordings from the Red Rocks performance? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, great show. Uh, the first U two album that hooked me was was Octune Baby when I was like eleven or twelve. Um, I had that tape, and yeah, War is you know everybody shits on Bono, and that's fine. I know he's a weird asshole, but like this record is, I think it's. Every I think every song's fucking great. I had forgotten how close U2 was to post-punk and that that sort of genre of rock and roll and, and, and bringing all these elements in. So for me, I just had, you know, I, I've always thought of, yeah, Octoon uh, and Joshua Tree and anything post after after this. And so when I went back to listen to this, I was like, oh, right, you too. They're taking everything they've learned from New Order. Uh, sorry, not New Order. Uh, uh, Joy Division. Yeah, from Joy Division and from... Uh, uh, the Clash. Yeah, basically all, the, all those sure. sort of like post-punk bands, they've, they've learned what it is and they've incorporated it into this into the pop sensibilities, but then it has a, yeah, it has that almost message that the clash were striving to do. Um, they weren't afraid to rust ruffle feathers and, and have a song like uh Sunday bloody Sunday and, and be political and, and kind of a point point out the injustices, but not make it see, seem so grandstanding and just make it seem like a universal thing. So I don't know. Also, the recording, I really love the way U2 always sounds like there's four separate entities, but you can hear each one so clearly. Like, at all times, I can hear what ed- the edge is doing. I hate, I hate saying the edge, but what else are you going to call them? You can hear what the guitar is doing. You can hear what the bass is doing. The drums or everything stands out and in, in melds together at the same time. It's awesome. My favorite part about lo- reading up on this record was the uh, the drummer refusing to play to a click, incidentally running into the drummer from Sly and the Family Stone, who's like, nah, man, I always play to a click. Yeah. And then going in the whole record done to a click and you can fucking hear it <laughs> like. Yeah. And he he like self like uh, says himself that like, yeah, you know this is the first time I ever did this. So like the drum parts are like, you know, they're, they're pretty sparse and like, I'm not trying to let, like be showy and like, you can absolutely hear all like all of it. And it, and for the, the songs that I like it, it actually makes a big difference. Like sparse drums like, work. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Cause they sound fucking gigantic on this record. They're huge. Well, you, it's yeah. the Lily white touch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, what else did Steve Lily white do aside from the previous two records? He did the Peter Gabriel Everything. stuff. Uh, he, he, he's the one that we were, that was credited with the eighties drum sound. Yeah. Uh, the gated drums, the the gated drums. Yeah. Yeah. He, he also did XTC 
Big Country, Susie and the Banshees, Psychedelic Furs, uh, Dave Byrne, Talking Heads, uh, Rolling Stones, The Pogues, uh, yeah, gotcha. Morrissey, Peter Gabriel, Killers, Dave Matthews Band, Fish, you know, like everything. Oh, also, uh, one Joan Armentrading. He was the one who who kind of like oh wow produced that album and and made that more, you know, her. I don't know what you'd say. She's she's a great. Yeah, I, I don't know if this is the last record that they do with him, but they kind of like uh, they 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 get more like uh, there's a lot of Brian Eno production like happening in their later records mm-hmm. and uh, Tony Visconti and uh, I mean yeah they're they th- this this is a breakout and if 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 only for like you know two giant fucking singles on this record like and they're great songs they are stellar wonderful great songs um so yeah good job you, Steve. you just uh, you're not feeling the whole album is what you're saying no man really not like you give me uh you give me like these big fucking amazing songs and don't really follow them up with uh much that even comes close to it is a uh, is a letdown hmm. and it might be a um like how how it's tracked might maybe split it up a little bit mix some things around but like it again the first four songs are so gigantic uh and then to to taper off for the last six just uh it's a bummer i know that 40 is like one of their uh closing songs like it's like uh off stage after playing a little bit and then the audience just screams the chorus it's Um, their uh everything counts by depeche mode it's the same thing you know, I don't know what that means, but I imagine what? I will learn. <laughs> I never saw Depeche Mode. <laughs> yeah, just just for me, like it did. Um, it was a very sh- there was no tapering. It was a sharp drop of a uh, of, of song quality. Hmm, like, really? Yeah, I know, and I I don't like I fuck I I owned this record like in high school. Kyle used to play it on my parents' stereo, that in the cars, and uh, I was a. So, didn't really listen to the rest of the record back when I was 16. So who so, fucking knows? So in your opinion, side two just drops off is what, is what you're saying? I'm just trying to figure out wh- yeah. what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Two hearts beat as one did nothing for you. That song shreds. It didn't. Huh? I wasn't that into that one either, Kyle. Hmm. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I, I didn't see it as sharp as, as, as maybe, uh, other people i could i, I mean I, obviously i mean starting with sunday bloody sunday and then new year's day and you know seconds like a song i'm no doubt those are really strong songs that they come out with right out of the gate and yeah maybe hey, drowning man fucking who cares yeah, yeah. after that yeah okay, i don't have a star by drowning man i don't have a star by the refugee but once two hearts comes on oof i think the rest yeah. of the record is awesome i don't know you know what's weird is these drums are huge, but they don't sound like the lily white gated drums of like like Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel. No, that's true. It's like a different yeah. flavor of huge drums, but the same producer. It's yeah. still huge drums. They're the Joy Division, Susie and the Banshee, mm-hmm. yeah, style drums. Yeah, and and I. Edge is the guitar is not using so much uh, reverb in this that he had previously used. It's a little m- more up close 
um, in this album, which you we, you can feel. I mean, once you get to Joshua Tree and some of the other albums, I mean, that guitar just sounds like a swirling in he like leans a cathedral. on that delay pedal after a while. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, it's it's his sound. It's like it, it, like he uses it like a like a signature sound, and it kind of is his signature sound, even though it's just delay. Right. You know. But this one is a little more immediate. I mean, it feels, yeah. and I think that's what I was trying to get at is this feel, this has almost that post-punk sort of attitude that I think they, they kind of lose a little bit in, in the later records. It, it mm-hmm. doesn't have, it's a little rough around the edges. It has, you know, still produced very well, but it has, there's something about it that just feels a bit more like, like a young band, you know, trying their best and 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 going for it right yeah there's an urgency to it for sure yeah future feelings about you to cloud my listening when I'm listening to something like war. Well, I hope so because we have so much more you two to talk. <laughs> yeah. About yeah. But it's like, I'm still kind of mad. They put that song on my first, that album on my first iPhone. <laughs> it was just so presumptuous of them. I really took it personally. I defended like, that album a lot when it came out. I, I don't care how good it was. The fact that they just assumed I want the Kyle. fact that they assumed I wanted it really rubbed me the wrong way. How dare you don't know me. Keep my name out your mouth and keep your album off your phone. How about this? If I like it, I'll steal it. There you go. <laughs> could have just said thank you. And you Songs of Innocence rips. And you couldn't like delete it. Oh, you could. Yeah, you could. I deleted it. I could I deleted it. I couldn't de- Wait, why did you delete it, Mr. It's so good? Oh, I had I didn't have a lot of space on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> the 4 megabytes. <laughs> yeah. But no, those are like pre-existing umbrages with you two. I enjoy war. I don't think that it's turning my world upside down like it does to, to some folks. I know how how huge of an album this is. And really, though, Side 1 is a heavy hitter. I don't necessarily think Side 2 is as dismal as Rob says. This album, it, it, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not a huge U2 fan. It doesn't grab me by the balls, you know? But there's, I mean, we're listening to, to like a song right now and, and it rules. Yeah. yeah. You know, it rules. And, and, yeah, and Sunday and Bloody Sunday is a great song and New Year's Day is a great song and Seconds is a great song. And there's a few good songs on side two. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm like such on a weird fence with you two. It's like they're good, but I don't like them. I understand that. Like, I really do. I get it, too. I'm so far removed from the... Um... You two not being cool because they've been uncool for so long that like I'd say about twenty years, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, that 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 doesn't affect me. I was actually really hoping going back to war, which 
like I said, I had in high school, I'd be more stoked on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I just, it may, maybe it has something to do with the four that we covered this week and like how it, you know, it's not quite as good as a couple of them. Um, but yeah, it just said, it just, it, it just like we got drowning men in our cans right now and like it just fucking drops off, man. I'll give you a couple of songs that are not as great as the others. Um, but I, you know, listening to the Echo and the Bunny Men reminded me of this record. Like, I don't know if you guys have heard the first two U2 records. Like, they're not bad. But this is like a huge leap forward. Kyle, I was getting that same vibe uh, just a couple hours ago when we were recording our Echo uh, episode and listening to that. I, I was like, man, I, I, I was I was hearing some parallels between that and, and this. Oh, cool. Yeah, and, and, you know, they are both classified as post-punk, but that's such a blanket term. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. I'm post-punk. I don't know. <laughs> All of us born think, in 1980 are post-punk. Yeah. It, by, it's, by, mo- by design. <laughs> most, most of everything is post-punk anymore. Yes. It lasted for six months. Get over it. <laughs> I don't know. I think the distaste for you 2 comes from their tendency to be melodic and poppy and well i think bono has success but ba- ba- yeah and their it, success it, yeah specifically it's a uh, it's envy more than anything else um, yeah it, it's it's a weird thing and i just didn't find that i didn't find anything distasteful in this album i just thought it was a really good i mean i almost consider it like their first album Obviously, they sure. had earlier ones, but it's kind of like going back to uh, when we were talking about Murmur by R.E.M. It's like, well, they had, you know, earlier records, but it, sometimes a band just doesn't feel like they come into their own. I mean, even the Beatles, their first albums were whatever. I mean, they were just kind of put into a box. Um they were so, also writing the rules as they went because exactly. they were the Beatles. Yeah. Rolling Stones too. I mean, I, I, I yeah. feel that way about a lot of bands who, you know, they have a couple earlier albums and you're like, yeah, this is, I mean, it's fine, but it takes a certain maturity sometimes or just getting into the studio and figuring out how things work. Um, getting the right producer too can, mm-hmm. can be a big uh, boon for a lot of these artists. So I don't know. I just, I find their the creativeness of these songs um, and how they're able to translate the sort of post-punk elements into a bit of a, you know, with these pop sensibilities as um, I find it interesting. Also, a simple minds. That's what the band I was trying to think of. Mm, um, yeah. So they, they I think they picked up on a, what a lot of bands were already had one foot in and f- something about you too, that it, everything just kind of clicked. It's like the simple minds, the joy division, the, the cure, you know, like all these post-punk bands, they, they looked at those bands and they were like, yes, but we're going to be on the radio because we will write the, you know, the pop equivalent of what these bands are doing or something, something along those lines. They just have a universal, I think they have a universal voice too of, of, you know, Bono's uh, lyrics and things like that. Sure. I mean, how mm-hmm. much, how long must we sing this song? I mean, that's a universal statement that is, you know. Yeah. That's how they became worldwide superstars, you know. Yeah. 
Uh, speaking of super sentiments. Yes. Speaking of uh, superstars, they obviously, they said that this album was almost a changing of the guard because war removed Michael Jackson's thriller from the number one when it entered the UK charts. Yeah. In March of 1983. That's really big. big. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Birch, to answer your question of how long will they sing this song, it was four minutes and 40 seconds. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) It's how long Sunday Bloody Sunday is. (laughs) So it's kind of like when um, Nirvana's Nevermind kind of unseated Michael Jackson's Dangerous in 91. Wow. There's a parallel to be drawn. That's wild. But Bono, unfortunately, didn't shoot himself in the face three years later. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm sorry, Courtney. Court- Courtney did it. What the <laughs> shit? <laughs> Conspiracy or off. was in poor taste, Ron. I have been known to be in poor taste, Kyle. <laughs> My most humblest of apologies. <laughs> I did think it was interesting that they they originally changed the lyrics to uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday uh, to be slightly less controversial because they named the IRA specifically. It wasn't the edge who did that. Yeah. Yep. Because without that lyric, I had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> yeah. It was... was his full name. The edge Lord, <laughs> man. I just had it on my screen. Actually. Uh, <laughs> his name. Fedge is David Howell Evans. His middle name's Howell. Howell. H O W E L L, not Howell like Ginsburg. Not Awu. Not David Awu Evans. <laughs> I mean, the, the troubles were troubling. And uh, by the time this airs, the troubles could be back. So, oof. yeah. It was a decade yeah. after the uh, Sunday, Bloody Sunday. Yeah. We I guess. need you two now more than ever. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. Get we? out of here. <laughs> Come back, Bono. Wait, where did he, he's never left, Kyle? <laughs> Come back, Bono. He, <laughs> if he said his name nine times in the mirror. Oh god. Um, um around this time too, uh you two had a iconic white flag that they would fly uh when they sang uh Sunday Bloody Sunday. I thought that was interesting. Who do they represent with their surrender flag? Exactly. I think that is, that's what makes it so interesting is, is they, and makes the song really interesting is because they don't, they're not pointing fingers. It's, it's a, why, why, why are we fighting song? You know, it, it doesn't have, they say it's not a protest song or they've said it's not a protest song because it, it's not taking like sides. It's just uh, taking the side of like being peaceful, not killing your fellow man. So I had heard, and I, I can't cite my sources in some, at some point in the past 20 years I had heard. So, so you two is 75% Catholic, 25% Protestant. And I had heard that the, the band's kind of, kind of clicky along those lines. <laughs> That's Probably. So <laughs> that uh, I did read this week that so they were all uh, in in a sort of a newfound Christian, uh, you know, ministry, and they tried to convince you two to stop playing music as a sacrifice to Christ. What? 
I'm sure that, wait. That's a long time. Okay, I, I, haven't, That's awesome. I haven't been to Sunday school in probably 30 years, but I'm sure there's some sort of verse about like play music and rejoice, you know? I read that uh, Bono like 10 years ago was in New York um, disguising himself as a Hasidic Jew. Why? Of all disguises. It's a very odd disguise, Ben. That's a very odd disguise, though, though it would work. It works because, sure. because it, it's it's such a a feature covering uniform. You would blend right right in if you were if you were like on a street where there was a lot of Hasidic Jew traffic. It sounds like something Michael Jackson would do. It does sound like something Michael Jackson would do, and it sounds like something Michael Jackson would get called out on. Is anyone calling out Bono on? <laughs> I think everybody's calling out Bono all the time. It's the past twenty years. What's wrong with two call hearts beat as one? Nine times in your uh, in your mirror. <laughs> what's uh, what's wrong with this low. song, Rob? Come I'm on, with you, Birch. Two yeah. hearts beat as one. Song shreds. There's nothing wrong with it's this. It's not the uh, version of two hearts beat as one that I wanted to hear. Okay, I only know it from the uh, Hot Rod soundtrack. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it might be Europe. <laughs> I think there was a lot of Europe on that soundtrack. <laughs> there certainly was. No, the, 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 I'm sorry. This this song's good. Yeah. And the Refugee's not a bad song either. It's like a disco punk song. It's awesome. Chris Blackwell from Island Records invited uh, Bono to come to Jamaica. Obviously, Chris Blackwell's always inviting people to Jamaica. He'll do that. That's that's his thing. That's very that's very on brand for Chris Blackwell. <laughs> what was it? Was it to have Johnny Rotten be the front man? <laughs> yeah, for <Diva? laughs> for these guys. <laughs> Uh, but he was on his honeymoon, Bono was, and uh, he wrote uh, a lot of the lyrics for uh, War on his honeymoon. Must have been a rough honeymoon. That's a fun honeymoon. What a what a bummer of a honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. I love, too, that New Year's Day, it was supposed to be about his, like, new bride, and then he, <laughs> he, he changed, changed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he changed. I wrote a sweet song for you, boo. And then, yeah, I'm just kidding. It's about the troubles. It's about the Polish, the re- Polish solidarity movement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, do you think he like saw her and was like, you know? Like, <laughs> Sorry. Right. Yeah. I did also think it was interesting because I always wondered where the vocals, the high uh, uh, backing vocals came on. Was it Red Light and... Uh, uh, there's another song, but it was the collaboration. They just ran into uh, choir girls from Kid Creole and the Coconuts. The Coconuts. Yeah. There's some coconuts singing. They just met That's at a awesome. party in Dublin and, and ended up just, you know, jumping in. But yeah, the vocals we're hearing right now are just the backing girls. I always wondered, like, what the hell? Like, where did that come from? Yeah, I did too. That was interesting. It's them coconuts. How can I convince you that this is a it's solid good. album? It's, it's solid. This is a solid record. Not my favorite, you two, but 
and you would say it deserves to be in here over the uh, Rob. No, over no. what? <clears throat> we don't have to kick anything out. I think it deserves the two to be in that here. came before it. Oh the yeah, the two U2 records that came before it. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I mean they're good, but they're not like. Would you have put the live distinctive. record in before this? Ooh, that's a tough one. You should listen to it, Rob, and, and let us know what you think. Because I really like that album. Did they did they film it? Is yes, there... they did. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't it like 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 heavy rain? Yeah, lightning. That'd be cool. That'd be cool rain. to see. Yeah, heavy rain at Red Rocks. It's better than rattle and hum. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Although I do like rattle and hum. Is it better than Kick by NXS? Nope. No <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking NXS in this. I know. That's that's still weird. I I would say it deserves to be over uh, under Blood Red Sky because I'm looking up the track listing uh, and it does not. It only has what S- Sunday Bloody Sunday, New Year's Day, and Forty, so it doesn't have any of the other songs. And I think like a song is is good. Seconds is great. And yeah, even Drowning Man, Two Hearts Beat is one. I mean, I would take this over. I think that. But then you do you do get I Will Follow with uh, Blood Red Sky. It's true. Not saying it's not good. I'm just saying I think I would. I would. I would prefer War. I thought Bullet the Blue Sky was on there. I guess I was mistaken. My bad. Wasn't there another one that came out after? That or was it just the video that came out after uh, Under Blood Red Sky that maybe? Uh... What are you thinking of? Well, there's Under Blood Red Sky, and then there's um, U two live at Red Rocks under Blood Red, 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 Red Sky in 1984. The the first one is the album. The second one's the concert film. Oh. There it is. Have more tunes. Good. It has more. Yeah, you're right. It has more. There it is. Yeah, that's a more uh, songs. So that's a fun one. Yeah, that would be a hard decision. But it's not an album. It's a film. Yeah, but I can turn off my television and listen to it with my. But if you're gonna go for the audio of the film, you need to go with Under a Blood Red Sky, which is the official audio. Well, now we're in this weird situation that we were talking about a year ago where it's like, but what about, uh, you know, that Neil Young record? Uh, uh, Rust Never Sleeps. Rust Never Ooh, Sleeps. Yeah. And then uh, the Live Rust. Other Live Rust. Live Rust. Yeah. yeah. There's songs from the film Stop Making Sense that aren't on the album Stop Making Sense and cannot be considered when we're talking about the album Stop Making Sense because they're not on the album Stop Making Sense. Yeah. But would you prefer it if it was? Well, yeah, I, I, I would prefer it to be a three-disc, all-encompassing recording of that live performance. You guys both stopped making sense when you said this album petered out. Yeah. Halfway. Yeah, I'm starting to regret my words. Oh, you hearing it now? A little bit. A little bit. I mean... No, no. no that, that, this came after some... Here's... Here's what I would records. say. Yeah, here's what I would say about the second side. I don't think you're wrong about it having a di- a different style. The first side absolutely has that it's like poppy upbeat catchy lyrics. The second side is definitely a little more what what would you say Kyle? A little more out there. 
It just has a little more. Yeah, nuance. it's a little more out there, but yeah, it's a little more nuanced. Yeah. But it's but still good. It's still got the goods. Yeah. I think a, a couple of these songs could have been singles. Sure. You're bringing me around a little bit. Okay. Noise. <laughs> uh, and Al Cooper. Everybody remember Al Cooper? Oh, yeah. Al Cooper's memoir, uh, Backstage Passes and Backstabbing Bastards, he tells the story of how he heard U2 in 1979 when he visited England. Uh, he was at the Marquee Club. Uh, he wasn't too impressed, but the opening act, an Irish band, blew him away. As soon as their set was over, Cooper met the band backstage, asked if they'd sign with a label yet. Uh, and they actually had signed to Island Records. So Al Cooper, who discovered Leonard Skinner, just missed out on being the first to discover U2 and signing them. Wasn't it Al Cooper that brought uh, Pretty Things, SF Sorrow, from England to the United States? Mm-hmm. Because he was just yep. over there and he bought it and it came home in his luggage and then he was just playing it for people and that's how that album got a distribu- distribution deal over here. He knows good music when he hears it. And it he does. He also knows great. when a song needs a thick Hammond organ riff <laughs> like like a Rolling Stone. What a cool story that guy has. How are we feeling about you too? War. I've come around on it. I'm going to give it a positive. Okay. Cool. Yeah. It's not necessarily my bag, but I, it's a good album. I can tell it's a good album. Yeah, I like this album a whole bunch. Yeah, yeah, I'm on the positive as well. I just think it's a that's a really solid outing by a you know like an up and coming band, and it just feels feels good. I mean they they strike all the all the right elements to make it uh, for a rock band. I mean it's a solid creation of of interpretation of you know like a rock and roll band at this time yeah third time's a charm with these guys for sure yeah. Umberto you, think, you thinking Rob mm-hmm. neutral I'm, yep I, I'm, oh I'm, I'm still not uh, I'm completely taken by the second side I'm recognizing songs that I enjoy a little bit more than I had beforehand but like it's fucking night and day. The, those first four, the way those first four tracks are laid out into what happens later is not, it ain't right for like a context of a record. So no, I gotta go. I gotta go neutral. Yep. No worries. All right. Next time we'll be talking about the police synchronicity. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Y'all. Yeah, there it is. Mm, to sing this song.